this summer, we marveled at the athleticism, the strength, the determination of world-class athletes as they competed in the Olympic Games. And something that I noticed as we were watching the Olympics is the curiosity we have, the fascination that we have with their story. The commentators love to share the stories behind those athletes, especially when it highlighted the very reason for their determination, the, the hope that they had. And so whether it was a story about the rivalry that existed or, or a touching story about their upbringing and how they overcame all odds to get to that point, to be competing at that level, whether it was about the setbacks that they had experienced or, or intense injuries that they needed to overcome or the, the disappointments of defeats at previous competitions. But those stories helped us to understand why they were so compelled, so driven to compete at the level at which they competed. And for all of them, there was a story. There was, there was a hope. And so today, I want to ask you, what's your story? What is the hope that drives you? Because each and every day, there is a hope that that drives you, not as you pursue an Olympic medal, but every single day, whether you go into the grocery store, if you meet new people, you're sitting at your desk and you're typing or clicking away on your computer, you chauffeur your kids to school, to swim, soccer, basketball, baseball practice, dance, whatever it is, there's, in all of that, there is a hope that drives you. Do you ever consider that? You think about that? Because what I'm asking you to do right now is I'm asking you to look under the hood. To ignore the, the really nice, pretty paint job that you've put out there, the, the, the really nice upholstery that you have and that you keep perfectly manicured for the world to see, but I am asking you to open up the hood, to look underneath, to look at the engine that drives your life. And whether you realize it or not, that engine runs on hope. That engine is hope. Now, whatever is your hope, that matters. Because it will drive you. It will shape every single thing that you do. Now, we can hope in many things. You can hope in relationships. You can hope that your wife and your children, that, that they love you, and so you in turn, you, you shower them with your love and your care and your protection. That's a great hope. You, you can hope in money. You can hope in an organization or a leader or a nation. There are all kinds of hopes that we have in our lives, and so I want to distinguish today between all of the hopes that we might have. They can be good hopes, but those I'm going to call general hopes, and distinguish between those and your 
ultimate hope. Because whatever your ultimate hope is, that will drive you, that will propel you, that will move you forward in life. And what we want to avoid is making those general hopes into our ultimate hope. There's a, there's a great danger there that we could, we could take one of those general hopes and we could turn it into our ultimate hope. It's okay to have hope in another relationship and a person that, that you would be reciprocal in the love and the respect that you share one, with one another. And that's absolutely what must build a great marriage or an enjoyable friendship or a loving parent-child relationship. But it's not your ultimate hope. It's okay to have hope in money to provide you a home, a car, the necessities that you need to care for your body, maybe even to provide some leisure and enjoyment. That's not a bad hope either. But the danger is that we could turn those, those good hopes and we can make them into our ultimate hope And the danger that's there is probably more subtle than we realize to make that shift and make that transition. And yet then we'll be disappointed. You you can misplace hope. And misplaced hope can be catastrophic. You see, if you've made your ultimate hope a person, then you are going to choke and suffocate them. You're going to lay on them this intense pressure to perform and to live up to that ultimate hope, and and you're going to feel this intense anxiety, and someday you will be disappointed because people make horrible gods. And if your ultimate hope is in money, then you're going to feel that intense pressure and and you're going to feel that intense anxiety because you're always going to be asking the question, will I have enough? Will I have enough for that home? Will I have enough for that car? Will I have enough for college for my kids? And you're going to become enslaved to that hope. If you've made money your ultimate hope. See, your ultimate hope, it must be in something that can and will deliver. And when you feel that pressure or you feel that that fear, by the grace of God, those things are the check engine light for your life. You know that light? That really annoying light that comes on on your dashboard of your car and you think to yourself, oh, I have too many places to be, too many people to see, too many things to do. I don't have the time or the money to properly diagnose whatever it is that's causing that light to flash, to turn on. And so, maybe ignore it. Can I make a confession to you? Check engine light's been on in my car for two weeks. (laughs) I have not taken it seriously. 
Do you take it seriously in your life? Do you take it seriously when, by God's grace, those things like, like that fear or that intense anxiety, that, that frustration that, that snaps at little things, that those things are telling you to look under the hood, to check out your heart, to check on that engine and what you have made your ultimate hope? Do you take that light seriously? It's telling you that you're, you're trying to control and manipulate things that are outside and beyond your control. That you've misplaced your ultimate hope because the thing in which you've placed that ultimate hope, it cannot deliver. In our walk through the Apostles' Creed, we have pledged our allegiance to the God of the Bible. And we have pushed back, we have rebelled against the philosophies, the, the narratives, the hopes that the world places at our feet. And so today, the clarity that the creed provides is that your ultimate hope must be Jesus and what Jesus delivers. The resurrection from the dead and the life everlasting. And it is that that is your ultimate hope. It is that that will drive and propel your life forward. And when the creed speaks of a resurrection from the dead, it really means a resurrection, not merely a physical resuscitation. And so we're going to look at those words that I read from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And as I said, this entire chapter of 1 Corinthians 15, it is all about the resurrection. And the Apostle Paul there, as he's divinely inspired by God, he first focuses on the assurance that we have in our own resurrections because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in the section that we're looking at this morning, he's elaborating on his answer to the question, what kind of bodies will we have in this resurrection? And the Apostle Paul, he makes it absolutely clear that we will indeed have physical bodies. A physical body. Sorry, you're not going to become a ghost. You can't come back and haunt people as much as you might want to. But you do have this hope in the resurrection from the dead. And the language that Paul uses to describe this resurrection describes it as a powerful, glorious resurrection and not merely a physical resuscitation. So look at the contrast that he makes as I read again. He says, The body that is sown, this body that we have right now, is perishable, but it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. Right now, your perishable goods. There is a shelf life on your life. And if you haven't actually like felt that or experienced it yet, Be thankful, but you will, right? 
You know, maybe you're on the ascent, you're, you're young and you're feeling great, you're, you're on the ascent, maybe, maybe you're even at the peak of your, your physical well-being. Enjoy it. Because pretty soon you're going to be running downhill, right? And, and maybe some of us, I mean, maybe we're just trying to slam the brakes as hard as we can on that downhill momentum. And maybe it feels like it's a complete free fall through all kinds of health conditions. We all deal with aches and pains. We, we deal with sicknesses and illness and disease. And yes, okay, COVID, right? It's been kind of a novelty. It's, it's this new thing, once in a century global pandemic. But isn't it just one more mutated virus out of millions that are out there that are trying to kill us? Because we live in a decayed and corrupted world and we live in decayed and corrupt bodies like your body is literally wasting away right now as we speak now maybe at this point you're like hey pastor can we get back to hope that was a lot more exciting this is pretty bleak you're absolutely right it's bleak and that's why it's so important that we understand that this resurrection that God has promised us, it is a glorious, powerful resurrection. And it is not merely a physical resuscitation. He's not going to resurrect us to these very same bodies that we have right now. Because who would want that? Who would be eager for that? No, the clarity offered by the creed and clarity offered by the Bible, echoed by the creed, is that our hope is in a resurrection to a new, imperishable, glorious, powerful body. You are not going to be raised to a tired and aching body. You are not going to be raised to a life that is filled with that anxiety and that pressure and that worry. You'll be raised imperishable in glory and in power. And that is all by the blood of Christ Jesus, your Savior. It is all by the very power of His own resurrection. See, our ultimate hope is found in Christ Jesus. It is found in His forgiveness of our sin and our rebellion and our wickedness. It is found in His very own resurrection from the dead. Christ Jesus, He has taken your weakness, He has taken your sin, and He has buried it deep in the earth. He has covered over it with His blood. And He rose again to assure you that you will too. He rose in that absolute victory. And He promises you this resurrected life. And Paul goes on and he says, not only is this body, this resurrection, not only is it going to be imperishable in glory and in power, but it is also spiritual and eternal. So Paul says, it is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. That incorruptible, imperishable body will last forever. This is everlasting life. 
Not only does Jesus Christ promise that he will raise you up again, but he promises that he has brought you into a total, complete communion with God so that you can live with God forever in a life that you actually want to go on forever. I mean, think about it. Do you want this life that you're living now, do you really want that to go on forever? I know you, you have your pleasures and you have your enjoyments and, and you have those friends that you love to hang out with and you have your family that are so dear to your heart. But have you also experienced pain and sadness and challenge? Have you felt that heartbreak when a friend has betrayed you or disappointed you? Have you felt that that heartache when family has become separated or distant or estranged or maybe it's gone, taken by death itself? Have you felt pain? The Bible describes this everlasting life and it says that it's going to be a place where there is no more pain, there is no more crying, there is no more mourning or death. Have you felt that the pain, maybe those agonizing moments that have clawed and ripped at your heart and left those scars that you think will never heal? Have you cried as you sat across from the doctor and you just tried to regain your focus because you were so shocked by what they shared with you? Have you ever mourned the all too sudden, the all too soon loss of someone that you love dearly? And the Bible tells us that all of those things, everything that exposes our weakness, everything that that strikes at our hearts, it's gone. It will be gone. Death, gone. No more. In this resurrected life, this life everlasting. And so we can shout aloud with what God's author continues to say at the very end of this chapter where he says, Where, O death, is your sting? Where, O death, is your victory? Thanks be to God. He gives us, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We can shout aloud with that author because God in Christ Jesus, he has given us victory. He has given us life everlasting. That is our ultimate hope. And this ultimate hope, it provides a symmetry that's very important for us. It provides that symmetry to pay attention when that check engine light goes off. To look under the hood and see what we have made our ultimate hope and make sure that we have made it Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Don't ignore that. Diagnose it, repair it, Place your eyes once again on your Savior, Jesus Christ. And then take a step back and have this other symmetry, the symmetry of perspective. 
to look at your life from a 10,000-year viewpoint. Because this moment right now, this day, this hour, this week, this month, this year, you're going to look back on it from 10,000 years from now. And 10,000 years from now, what are the, the bumps and the challenges, the sadness and the heartbreak? What, that, what is that going to look like 10,000 years from now? As you're singing in the choirs of angels, as they're basking in the presence of the glory of God. That 10,000-year perspective, it becomes the, the safety net for when we hear the bad, difficult news. That 10,000-year perspective is going to allow us to say that we can look back and we're going to know that we haven't just survived, but we, we thrived in Christ Jesus, our Savior. And I want you to consider how this 10,000-year perspective then affects all those different pieces of our framework we've been talking about throughout this series. How does a 10,000-year perspective shape our community together? You know, these brothers and sisters in Christ with whom are, you're surrounded right now, they will be there 10,000 years from now with you. And so maybe when that brother or sister kind of grates on you a little bit, and it gets on your nerves, maybe on your very last nerve, Maybe you can remember that they're going to share heaven with you 10,000 years from now. And maybe that'll allow you to extend a little bit more grace, a little bit more patience, a little bit more kindness. How, how does this 10,000-year perspective affect our counsel to one another as we encourage each other? You know, it doesn't just mean that we're going to just dismiss all the challenges and, and all the sufferings in our life as, as if they are no big deal. But can we encourage one another to look ahead 10,000 years into the future? 10,000 years with our Savior Jesus Christ. And allow us to take those setbacks, those challenges, the struggles, to take them in stride and live with that hope and trust in Christ. How will this 10,000-year perspective affect our witness to our world? And we're, we're always so concerned about how other people will view us, what they will think of us, how they will react and respond to what we say. But what if instead we thought about how our God sees us? How our God feels about us? How our God felt about us when he sent his son, Jesus Christ. How our God feels about us right now as his dearly loved children. How our God will feel about us 10,000 years from now as his pride and joy. And maybe that 10,000 year perspective will also help us as we think about that person in front of us. Whether we've just met them or they're a friend or a family member. And we, we can think about where will they be 10,000 years from now? Where will they spend eternity? And maybe that moves me then to speak. To feel for them so deeply if they don't have this ultimate hope in Christ Jesus. 
and to tell them why it's so amazing. So I'm going to ask you again, what's your story? What is the hope that drives and propels you forward? Because you are in an intense rivalry with Satan and sin. And maybe you have gone through setbacks in your life and, and disappointments, but no matter what your background, no matter where you came from, your ultimate hope can be in Christ Jesus, your Savior. An ultimate hope that will deliver. Because Jesus gives to you the resurrection and the life everlasting. Amen.